Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and you are joining me on the April 9th edition, 2020. We are in a post-WrestleMania 36 world, folks, and that... I mean, that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about tonight on the show. Very, very WWE heavy, uh, WrestleMania heavy. Going to try and squeeze in some AEW here. Fingers crossed, because there's a lot of stuff that I think we still need to talk about, that I need to talk about, and it's my show, so I get to decide what goes on my show. How's everyone doing this evening? I'm asking this directly to you. Yes, because the Mr. Warren Hayes Show is recorded live every Thursday evening at 9 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, and I have a full house of wonderful, charismatic, and uh, 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 capable people <laughs> right here, or not, doesn't matter, I don't care, I'm not discriminating, I just, I like having all sorts of people here, and that's what makes me really happy, and we do have a, a bunch of people here live on the show joining me here this evening, such as Patrick Mason, how you doing? Tim Traver, how you doing? Throwback27, how you doing? Robert Larry, how you doing? I'm not going to do this the whole way through, DGMC is here as well. Because I'll just I'll be doing this for seven minutes. Uh, 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 Thomas Gorys is here as well. How you doing, J.S. Brown? Anakin J.M.T. Hello, hello. Ben Parise here too. Carlos, how you doing? And Aaron J's fan here as well. Thomas Middaw. What a lovely crowd assembled here this evening on the Mr. Warren Hay Show, and I couldn't be happier to have you all here. If you ever want to have uh, the opportunity to come and join this wonderful wonderful live chat that we have because it is wonderful honest to god it is a wonderful place to come hang out and talk about wrestling in a cool chill friendly environment come on over it's on youtube.com slash mr warren hayes thursday night 9 p.m eastern i've said that already and maybe you're just watching this on your own accord which is fine as well because the video is available on demand as well and i really appreciate it and whether you're watching live or later do consider giving the video a thumbs up that kind of stuff helps out quite a bit. That's kind of like my, I don't know what kind of accent that's, that was. I've started watching Ozark, so maybe I'm uh, like I'm getting a little more, uh, a little more hillbilly-ish. I don't know. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> maybe you're not, maybe you were listening to this as well. This being the uh, the podcast, because the Mr. Warren Hayes show was available on all pod podcast uh, platforms, or at least most of them. Uh, all of them, the, the best ones have the Mr. Warren Hayes show, of course. <laughs> well, do consider leaving some uh, love there, either a review, a review, a like, a subscription, a, a favorite, whatever it is that you can do to show a little love there. That stuff also helps out quite a bit. So I really, really appreciate that. Uh, and, uh, and if you want as well, you can also show some support to the Mr. Warren Hayes show by dropping a super chat, any amount. Any amount at all, and I will read your question, comment, thought, mood, uh, tip of the day, whatever it is you want to share with the listening audience of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Hey, you can do that there. Another way to show some support is head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. And it just so happens that the uh, that uh, this month for April, the Patreon, uh, the, the uh, patron access is free. So if you want to become a, a, a supporter on the on the uh, $5 tier, which is the Power Pal level, you get access to all of the content for free for the entire month of April. Plus, you will be able to join me and the rest of the patrons who come and join me every Thursday night on the post stream, which I like to call affectionately Warren's Off the Clock. 
And tonight I will be wrapping up uh, the, this weekend uh, this weekend review, probably talking about the Raw after WrestleMania a little more in depth because I don't know. I'm not sure we'll have time to cover uh, everything that I want to talk about plus Raw here on the mainstream. So head on over Patreon.com immediately after the show. Patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Uh, the Mr. Warren Hayes show, by the way, uh, is also available on the Smart to, da- Smart to Death Radio Podcasting Network. My boy Anthony started up a, uh, a, a, a Anthony of Smart to Death started up a uh, network of podcasts. So you get to listen on that fantastic podcast podcast network. I'll get through this um, to Anthony and his podcast, Smart to Death. He gets to listen to the No Particular Angle podcast with friend of the show and good pal of mine, JPQ as well. Another good pal of mine, Queen of the of NE, who has Queen's Court. That's there as well. Plus, uh, Mags, who has a ton of podcasts, Badlands, uh, 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 um, Why We Listen. They're all there. So it's another great way to listen to the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Head on over to your favorite podcast app and listen and, and subscribe to Smart to Death Radio. You'll get a whole bunch of great, great content. I also have a great, great t-shirt available at t- tinyurl.com slash warrenshop. And you can get all your wrestling, your women's wrestling coverage, news, and stuff over at belltobells.com. That's B-E-L-L-T-O-B-E-L-L-E-E-S. Well, that's all fantastic. Got all that stuff out of the way. Whew. But I'm really glad all of you are here tonight. Should be a good friend. Scott Frame, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Oh, we got. I, I have to talk about WrestleMania, so it's not exactly going to be a uh, a weekly wrestling inspection per se, but uh, but we're still we're still gonna do it. Let's go ahead with the weekly wrestling inspection just to hear the jingle. Ah, <laughs> uh, there we go. So yeah, it's not a, like I said, it's more of a WrestleMania inspection. I'll try to get as much stuff in uh, as I can and um, uh, I'll, I'll try to get as much in as I can. That I, I promise. Uh, and I want to, uh, before we actually get into it, Throwback dropped us a very generous super chat. Thank you very much, Throwback. He says, with the Boneyard Funhouse... And the Gargano versus Ciampa match is being filmed amazingly well. Which of the three, considering they are representing three perspective, their three their own three uh, prospective brands, which was the best overall? Well, uh, I will be talking about that a little later on in the show. However, uh, it I find it's hard to pick because they're all three are really really different. But I I promise I'll get to that in, in a second. But Chad, do feel do feel free to 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 talk about it and see which one which one of those three you preferred. I think they're very different intentions, very different, uh, very very different inclinations. But I'll touch on this a little later on in the show. Throwback, I promise. So uh, so let's get to it. Let's start uh, let's start handing handing out some some beans, some soda, and some trash. First and foremost, uh, we're going to, uh, first of all, even before we get into that, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that we all have to take away from WrestleMania weekend, weekend, and was literally a weekend, is that's it. It was over two nights. 
I want WWE moving forward. I want them to give me two nights of WrestleMania for as long as we both shall live. I do for reals though. Um, not only did it feel a little lighter to be able to, to not have to sit through like seven hours of, um, of, of matches within an empty arena. Cause that would have been very, very alienating. But I just thought the idea, the possibility of having two sets of, of nights where you just have, um, where, where, you, where you can digest like two events of WrestleMania just made the whole thing so much more easier to absorb and consume. I loved it so much. And I think this is the main takeaway. This is what we have to learn regarding WrestleMania moving forward. This is what WWE has to acquire. That WrestleMania is best in a two-night situation. And you have because they have two world level, uh, world title level, uh, two world level titles <laughs> um, on either night. Because you can have the Universal uh, Championship be defended on one night and the WWE Championship defended on the other, just like we had this year. Anyway, look, it's something that has to, that they, I hope that they've learned at least that this year, that WrestleMania is always too big for just one night, not just this year. Um, my main critique that I would say, they in the lead up they said quite a bit that there was going to be some um there was going to be a lot of uh there were, there were going to be produced matches uh, that they'd be thinking out of the, outside the box they'd be trying out some stuff and I'm all, I'm all for that kind of stuff ultimately we got two produced matches right uh that weren't technically in ring that were not in the PC that and honestly I think the empty arena setting would have benefited from having at least an X, two more produced matches, one for each night, just so that you could break up a little the monotony of the of the empty arena. Because at some point, it was especially on night two, which I thought was the night that really needed an audience. Um, just having having that match there would have served as a as a refresher, a palate cleanser, call it what you want, but it, it would have just broken us out of that environment, give us another match somewhere else with two other wrestlers. Doesn't have to be a, an extensively produced thing like the Firefly Funhouse match, but it would have just given us enough, it would have given us enough wiggle room to be like, yeah, you know what? This was kind of cool. This, this was cool. Then we go back to the empty arena and it wouldn't have felt so empty all the time. It would have been a, just a little change of pace, would have refreshed our memory. I think that was something they could have done. And it's a minimal critique at best, but as as far as the composition of the two nights went, that's what that's my my main takeaway. I want to say hello to Chris Greenlee and Daniel Daniel Price. Did I say hello to you, Daniel? I don't remember. All right. Go ahead. Consider yourself doubly doubly helloed. So what we're gonna do, folks, is we are going to Go through WrestleMania both nights. We're going to give cool beans to a bunch of stuff, some warm soda to a bunch of stuff, and some hot trash to a bunch of stuff. So we're going to start with the cool beans because we're positive people here the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Um, the first really cool thing I want to talk about, the really cool thing, the women's matches. 
all the women's matches during this weekend, that during WrestleMania weekend, were good to great. They really were. I there, not a single one of the women's matches uh, uh, felt underwhelming. That the effort wasn't there, the work wasn't there, the a, the the action wasn't there. Everything clicked. It was so good. Um, um, even from the even from the the um the I'm mean, even including the uh, the pre-show match between Liv and Natalia, which I thought was really well worked and and a good win for Liv as well. That was that was a big deal for her. Uh, my favorite match that the women put on, and probably my favorite match match. If we're talking about like a match match, the Firefly Funhouse. That's a whole other thing. But my favorite match was probably Rhea versus Charlotte. I was amazingly good. It was uh, it was hard hitting. It was so physical. Felt like a fight, and there was there was lots of drama. Went over twenty minutes. This was good stuff. Shayna was versus Becky was great, and I loved the pacing of the match. Hated, hated, hated the finish, but uh, it was a, it was a it was a rocker. They they just they didn't rest for a second. The tag team title match uh, started WrestleMania weekend. And when it was done, it was like, this is the perfect, perfect match to start everything off. Um, again, this was all about pacing and the same thing with the Fatal Five way. Um, it, everything was about pacing in these matches because you couldn't sit around with a rest hold for two minutes trying to trying to irk the crowd because there was no crowd. So I found all the women's matches didn't rely on any rest spots, on any chin locks. They were always, always going after something or at least creating a story amongst themselves. And I really, really appreciated it. Um, the, I thought the tag team match, if we're coming back a little bit, I thought it was really good. Um, I I think we have to underscore the work that Alexa Bliss put into this match. I know Alexa has never been a fan favorite in regards to her in-ring work, to put it mildly, but I thought she brought it this weekend. I think she's improved. She pulled out some stuff that we don't usually see her do. She was very physical. I dug it. Um, I'm still stunned that they're not pulling the trigger on Sasha versus Bailey, but I like the finish of the match a lot, and I like that they're going down the road a little more with this. Um, it, it was a little surprising, and I thought everyone looked good in the match, even Tamina! She looked good as well. She was used to her strengths. That's what they had to do. Knocked her out quickly. And I thought Bailey and Lacey, I thought this was Lacey Evans' best showing on Maine uh, since she was she's, since she's been called up. And she has to improve. She has to be improving. Look at the women she's working with. Bailey and her had a fantastic exchange. Looking at this, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be okay with Lacey Evans and Bailey having another program with each other because what they did was great. I want to take a minute to talk about Charlotte winning because I know, I know, I know Charlotte isn't everyone's bread and butter, but I also think people are extremely unfair and have very, very, a lot of tunnel vision when it comes to, uh, when it comes to, uh, to Charlotte, uh, and her, uh, and her victories in general, right? Because everyone is under the impression that she always wins her matches, that, you know, everything is designed for her to go over. Um, and there's an extensive period of time that Charlotte was 
losing a lot and putting people over um, over the past two years or so, it's not as cut and dry as people like to imagine about her. I think she does get an unjust amount of hate. We're not... She, we're not at John Cena levels of manipulating and taking over matches here. Uh, if we just go back to 2018, and I'm just going to talk about the pay-per-views, which are the big-time matches, right? The, the big-time matches. In 2018, she uh, she defended her uh, SmackDown Women's title three times. Uh, uh, two times, sorry. Um, at, um, at Fastlane, WrestleMania 34, lost it at Backlash to Carmella. Then she lost money in the bank. Then she won the triple threat at, uh, at SummerSlam that year, but then lost to, uh, lost to Becky Lynch, lost by, uh, won by DQ against Becky Lynch, uh, then lost again to Becky Lynch at, uh, Evolution, which was one, uh, a match of the year candidate right there. She lost to Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. She uh, and she also lost um, in a uh, the TLC match that that year when she was uh, teamed up with uh, uh, in the TLC Triple Threat when when Oscar defeated her and uh, and Becky Lynch and that was in 2018. I mean that's that's fair to me. That's not someone who's running roughshod through a division uh, unchecked. Then if we move on to 2019. Uh, she lost the Royal Rumble. She lost again at Fastlane. She lost at WrestleMania. She uh, she uh, she won uh, the SmackDown Women's Title at Money in the Bank, only to lose it three or four minutes later when Bailey cashed it in. Then over to SummerSlam, where she had her match against Trish Stratus. She won that, but then she lost at Ch- Clash of Champions against Bailey. Won the title back at Hell in a Cell, uh, and. Um, and then uh, was uh, and then uh, was defeated in the uh, Survivor Series match and lost the tables, ladders, and chairs match as well. This, to me, uh, in the in her tag team match with uh, Becky against the Kabuki Warriors, this is not this is not someone who's running roughshod across all divisions uh, and 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 destroying all the uh, and destroying opposition and being all about her. She's been pretty evenly well booked, if you ask me. Now, is this a good thing that the NXT title is on Charlotte Flair and not on Rhea Ripley? I, I'm questioning the decision of taking the title off of Rhea in the sense that she was so goddamn hot. Why would you try to cool her off when she was so, so goddamn hot? But you know, do you know when Rhea Ripley started to be cooled off? She started to be cooled off. Once she won the title, once they started making her this smiling baby face, she came in as a badass, she acted as a badass, and suddenly she becomes champion, and now she's this touchy-feely, huggy-buggy character? Nah, that's why, that's why people didn't dig it. That's why, that's why, um, that's when she started to lose a bit of her sheen, and that's not on Charlotte, uh, excuse me, on Rhea, it's definitely not on Charlotte, but it's not on Rhea either, because that's, uh, how she was booked. That's how the whole situation was booked. Charlotte winning the NXT title at WrestleMania is clearly the most interesting outcome because then we get the the uh, this microcosm of matches that Charlotte hasn't had yet and wouldn't have had if she was still up on Raw or SmackDown. Now, the thing here with, with the NXT title 
we know now, because of the ladder match yesterday, we're getting Io Shirai versus Charlotte. I don't know who could be pissed off about that. Yes, Io is going to lose, but that's not the point. The point is that we're going to get a real cool match out of it. A really damn good match out of it. One that we're legitimately excited to see. And if it builds to Charlotte versus Rhea too, I am 100% okay with that. Make Charlotte the final boss of, uh, of the NXT women's division and have Rhea defeat her. Have Rhea do it again. Overcome the, uh, overcome the statuesque uh, 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 final boss to make it and become champion again. I'm absolutely for that. 100% for that. Um, so there you go. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super, I'm super cool with all of that. I'm really, really cool with it. Um, I thought, like I said, I thought the pre-match match, the pre-match matches were good. Liv Morgan, Cesaro versus Drew Gulak was really good for the short, short time they had. My God, I would have had five more minutes of those guys together. Get, uh, 15 more minutes of those guys together. That was real good stuff. Uh, John Morrison, um, defeating Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston to retain the SmackDown, ta the, the ladder match, basically. I thought it was real good. It was real good stuff. There was some real nasty and real creative spots. Kofi Kingston was great in this as always. I really like Kevin Owens running off the, the WrestleMania sign. My God, that was good. Don't you guys think that was good? I mean, Kevin Owens does, uh, he, he's building himself a reputation of doing crazy shit like that, right? But here's the thing. This, this, is, this is what I think made it so good, if, in my humble opinion. And I talked about this on the Fightful podcast, so I apologize if you've heard this before. Usually when the guys climb up a huge structure in a wrestling match, they'll climb up and they'll stand there and be like, and they'll take it in, you know, and they'll stand there for a second so the audience can build a reaction. So the audience can start going, oh my God, you know, and please don't die, chance can start up or whatever. But now there wasn't an audience. So you know what Kevin Owens did? He climbed up, 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 up the ladder and he he climbed up the behind the sign and, and he walked and then whoop, and he just threw himself off and he wasn't waiting. He just, uh, and that's what I think made that 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 leap of his so spectacular and uh and and um uh special is because he didn't wait he didn't have to wait there was no reason oh, to wait it was like yeah. oh, here i go and he just dove off i it was fantastic and it was a good match too um so uh, yeah there we go I, I it it was good stuff it was good stuff <sighs> want to say hello to uh, Connor McCabe, who just jumped into the chat. How are you doing? Uh, and uh, Throwback uh, left another super chat. Thank you, Throwback. He says, LOL, the tag match trash talk was phenomenal. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. As Alex said, Alex Pulowski said on the uh, Fightful podcast, they should mic the Usos at this point. And just uh, so that we can always hear their, uh, so that we can always hear their, uh, their trash talk. It was phenomenal. It was really, really, it was really good. All right. Those were my cool beans. We're going to downgrade a bit and got not hot trash already. I said downgrade a bit. Going to go to some warm soda if you all don't mind. Alistair Black defeating Bobby Lashley. I mean, I'm happy 
that Aleister Black got a WrestleMania win. I'm a big Aleister Black fan. I, you know, I think, uh, I think WWE is seeing something special in him. They're protecting him, building him strong. I didn't care for the match. Felt like a Raw match. And there was no interest in it. But I mean, the upside is that Aleister Black won, right? Right. Um, Jamie Small, how you doing? Um, Otis and Dolph Ziggler. I got to put this in this category. And don't get me wrong. I love how the story played out. I really do. I like how, the, you know, we discovered that Dolph and, and, and Sonya have been conspiring against have been conspiring against Otis to keep him away from Mandy and to get Mandy uh, over to Dolph. I dig that wholeheartedly. I the match happened exactly how you thought it should happen with Otis winning, with Mandy coming down to the ring to inter interfere a certain way and make sure that Sonya got a little Sonya got a little uh, a, a, a little a little slap. A little, a, a little tap across the face. A little, hey, I don't like you anymore kind of thing. I like that. I love the visual of the end of Otis holding Mandy in his arms and then the, both of them just kissing. Mandy is done with these awful people. She wants a wholesome guy like Otis. This is how it had to wrap up. But this is also the match that needed an audience. My God, I was sitting there watching the match because the match was fine. It wasn't wasn't anything spectacular. It was fine. Dolph did a great job, as usual, selling his ass off. But all I could imagine right now was the audience on their feet chanting for Otis over and over. It would have been astounding. The pop that Mandy would have got when she slapped Sonya across the face. And then Otis pinning Dolph. The place would have erupted. Sean and I called this. Sean Ross Sapp and I both called this the people's main event. And it was. But the people were missing. And it's a, sh it's a crying shame because this was all built for a perfect, perfect moment. But it was a, the whole angle, uh, the whole angle was perfect. I, I loved it so much. You guys know this by now. I adored it. Now, this is the hammer. This is the hammer I've been using to nail this one home, folks. I've said it once, twice, three times, and I'll say it again. And I'll say it again. The, uh, the, if they want, they being WWE, if they want this angle to, uh, to truly be a success, a bona fide success, we need Sonya Deville to become a top, top heel. That's what, this is the final ingredient. The thing that will put this angle absolutely over the top. Because it got Otis over. And Mandy is now a very likable human being as well. Because she made the right choice. Sonya has to be despicable now. They have to put, they have to get themselves a strong heel out of Sonya Deville and I think they, they, they're going to do it. Um, the Street Profits, uh, the Street Profits and uh, Garza versus Austin Theory was okay. 
Bianca Belair debuting was something else though. That's why I'm keeping this, uh, it's in the warm category because I was really happy to see her there. It's been a long time coming. The only thing that I have a problem with is, uh, is she's on Raw and I really, really think that they needed someone like her on SmackDown. I really, really do. I really do. Um, a, a, a strong baby face, strong uh, baby face that you could easily protect. But regardless, it's a nitpick. I really liked it. Match was fine. Match was okay, but it was eh, who cared about this match? Let's be frank. And maybe controversially here, I'm going to put Edge versus Randy Orton. Um, I if this match had been ten minutes shorter, I'd be unequivocally behind the fact that it's that it'd be in the cool beans category. Uh, that's what it'd be. That's what it would be. But goddamn, it was it was so long, and there were lots of very extended and a little pointless segments. But the last part of the match, like the la the final twenty to fifteen percent of the match, when they were back fighting over the semis, that was so good. That was such good stuff. But, and I know if it had been a true Falls Count Anywhere match with an audience, it would have been built differently, it would have been something completely else. But, oh, I feel, I, I, I feel so bad at, to the, uh, uh, I feel so bad at the idea that, um, that this that this that that this uh, uh, match didn't end up living to uh, living up to expectations for Edge's sake, mostly, and for the sake of how great this angle has been as well. I don't think Edge is finished by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're going to keep him around for more stuff. I do hope he gets to perform in front of a crowd again. But because uh, you can't call this match bad, but you can say that. It was long. It lacked it lacked a little oomph to carry us into the uh, uh, to carry us into the uh, into the end, right? Right, right, right. Warren, right. Want to say hello to Ray Deathray and Kristen Ashley, who is here as well. Mm. Um, uh, so, so there we go. So are we moving on to the hot trash folks? You goddamn right. We are. Here we go. Oh boy. Elias versus King Corbin was the most unnecessary part of the entire proceedings. We did not require that. Thank you very much. And goodbye. The wonky finishes that plagued night one really bothered me. And I thought... It's like the the Sami Zayn Daniel Bryan match that had a, a SmackDown Live, it had a Friday night finish. Basically, I didn't like it. I didn't think the match was even all that great. I see what they were doing, but this was not a blow off. And WrestleMania is a place for your blow off matches. It's not where you necessarily continue an angle and push forward with it. This is where you wrap things up and move on to something else. So I didn't, ah, ah, I didn't really care. Um, 
I, I, I really didn't care about it all that much, quite honestly. Um, the, the ending to Becky versus Shane, I thought was stupid. I thought the, the ending to the ladder match, I didn't really care for it either. I thought it was just a little too, a little too cutesy, especially since, um, Uso, it was Jimmy, right? Jimmy Uso, who was in the match, he, he unclipped the, the, uh, the, the coat hanger, the fancy coat hanger (laughs) on which the, uh, the tag team belts are hung. Technically, the Usos won, and then the thing with... The, I don't know, man. Too many too many screwy finishes, not enough good stuff for me, personally, right? This is because it's always... It's, it's my opinion, right? It's my show. The main event matches. I mean, they, they were carbon copies of each other, right? It's me spamming... It's me spamming the big move buttons on a 2K20 game, on a WWE 2K game, because I didn't play 2K20. That thing was uh, trashy. But um, those were that was bad. And don't don't kid yourselves. There's a way to do a good quick main event, and I think the last one, uh, the uh, uh, and Goldberg versus uh, uh, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 33 was a good way to pull it off. These were not, plus they were the same thing. Let's just hit our finishers, kick out of finishers until the baby face lands his own finishers. This was, they were both dumb. They were both, both dumb. And I really didn't like it. And probably would have been a lot more dynamic. Again, if an audience was there, you know, freaking out when Drew uh, McIntyre kicked out of, uh, kicked out of an F5 at one, and you know, I appreciate the F5 being a super protected finisher. I am 100% behind that. But the F5 was, the, what happened to the F5 tonight was kind of like what happened to the Stomp at Hell in a Cell last year. Uh, Drew just kept kicking out of them and is like, well, what's the, okay, okie dokie then. Uh, Drew Drew McIntyre can never be put down with uh, with an F5 ever again. And then what is the finisher that can put Drew McIntyre down? A stunner? Uh, a, a coloss? Talking about WWE, former WWE champion Jinder Mahal. What's going to be... What finisher can put Drew McIntyre down if the F5 can't put him away? I don't know, man. Uh, but I didn't care for it. And I didn't care for Goldberg being in my main event. I... I like to I like to rag a lot on Steve Mongo McMichael, you guys know, and Yoshihashi. Those are they're my go-to wrestlers when I just want to poke some fun at people because I think they're ridiculous and I'm a, I can't quite see their I can't quite see their their upside. Joe Anthony Myrick, how you doing? Good to see you. Um see, I don't know what the I don't know what the um I don't know. It's not that's not it. I know what that these wrestlers aren't they aren't great for particular reasons, but I rag on them because I because it's fun, but they're not terrible. Like they're not absolutely awful, disgusting wrestlers that, you know, Mongo he's never been a great worker, but there's levels of entertainment to be had with him. 
Yoshihashi is far from being a bad wrestler. He's just, he's as, he's as dull as a salt shaker. Bill Goldberg, though, is a whole other story. This is a guy who was pushed too fast, who was put into a position of power way too early before he was ready in, on multiple levels. We always talk about how he was too green when he started. Sure, he was too green in the ring, but he was also too green to deal with wrestling politics at the time. Because he got all sorts of people in his ear very early, people who created a certain perception about the business for him that uh, he still maintains today. He was a miserable man backstage uh, using as much clout as he could to get whatever he wanted because he had Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash telling him what to do, basically like the two top guys, right? And he'd get his way, squashing everyone uh, in their path. I don't know if you, if y'all are old enough to remember, if you've heard the stories about Jericho's squash, the squash that he had planned or that they had planned for Jericho. Goldberg was supposed to squash him. Well, Jericho was like, screw this. I am going to go ahead and make something entertaining out of this. So he starts this mini feud with Goldberg, but Goldberg doesn't want anything to do with them because he's being told backstage he's under you. You shouldn't be doing it. So he's like, yeah, I'm not even going to acknowledge this. So ultimately Jericho never got his match against Goldberg, despite him trying to give a build to it, trying to make it fun and entertaining. Goldberg just didn't want to entertain him because he thought Jericho was under him. He never cared about wrestling. He never put in the effort to really train and learn how to do it. He didn't have to because he was in a position where he didn't need to. He's a guy who ended, he, he was always a guy who worked stiff. He wore, he hurt people and not work stiff a la Stan Hansen who will, you know, lay a couple in as you're wrestling just to remind you who's boss kind of thing. No, no, no. This is a guy who perpetually hurt Kurt Hennig when they were running the house show circuit together. Hennig would come out with a, with sore all over, hurting his back. This is a guy who ended Bret Hart's career with a super kick. He ended Bret Hart's career. And, uh, and he, he ended up going to WWE, uh, um, because, uh, he ended up going to WWE because they threw money at him because they needed him, but they didn't know how to book him. So there's a part of that, that that's on, that's on WWE as well. But again, he was miserable and he was trying to get his own way. He was stiff with everyone he worked with. And if he cared so much about his legacy, like he always likes to talk about, he would have not come back after his WrestleMania 33 match against Lesnar. That was the perfect, perfect cap to his career right there. But no, no, he had to come back. And he had to come back uh, for for the Saudi show and defeat Bray Wyatt. And I don't know if you heard, but our boy Bill Pritchard over at WrestleZone, he, uh, he found out that The Fiend was originally book, uh, booked to beat Goldberg at the Saudi show. But... Goldberg politicked his way into getting the chain and into getting the, the finish changed. He lobbied to win the universal title because he, uh, he told WWE that, Oh, it would ruin his character as a superhero. You know, all the little kids who look up to him, you know, they wouldn't see him as a, this invincible superhero anymore. 
that he's so smug. He doesn't understand what's good for the business. And I am so goddamn sick of this man being on my television and being even less capable of wrestling than he did back when he was in his prime. And I did air quotes for those of you who are listening right now, not watching. Bill Goldberg, as it stands right now, can go away and never come back. I do not need him oh, yeah. anymore with me uh, in my in my wrestling. A lot of people compared him to Steve Austin for multiple reasons. If anything, when we wrap up his career and look back at it, he will have a career much more resembling the Ultimate Warriors one. A guy who was... Uh, who was a marginal wrestler, a marginal worker, who was put into a high-level position very quickly, who had very quick in-and-out matches, was able to rile up a crowd because of his intensity, was a legitimate draw, but always ended up hurting people, ended up looking out for himself, and ended up making a comeback years after he was done, only to expose even further how terrible a wrestler he really was. Tim Traver <laughs> left a super chat saying, and thank you, Tim. I hope you're safe, Mr. Warren Hayes. I'm safe. That's good. I'm, I'm out of my Goldberg hate zone right now. I really don't like Bill Goldberg. I really, 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 really don't. That, that, that's what, you'll never see me making fun of Goldberg like I make fun of Mongo. Because I just don't like the guy for real. So there we go, folks. At least for now, that that's uh, uh, at least regarding the matches, regarding the, the the wrestling matches. That was the WrestleMania inspection. Aaron's Jace, uh, Aaron Jace fan left a super chat as well. Says, "Whoa, that's right." That's right. <laughs> Nick Wolf also left a super chat. Thank you, Nick. Is this rant all about all because he took out the Canadian hero Bret Hart? I'd be lying if there's not a lot of that in in my my basic basic feelings for Goldberg. Because yes, you have to be Canadian to fully understand the scope of of Bill Goldberg. You you really do. You really really do. And it took a while to warm up to Shawn Michaels again, I'll tell you that much. If you're watching this live right now or whenever, just if you wouldn't mind leaving the video a, a, a thumbs up. Thank you everyone for your super chats. But before we go, we continue, I just, I, well, I'm going to take away the hot trash symbol here. There we go. And I want to, I want to talk about, I want, I want to talk about something to you fellas, you guys, you, 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 you men out there, you know, the, it's the, it, we're, we're, we're confined right now, right guys? We're, we're, in, we're doing the social distancing th stuff. Uh, and, and as we're doing this, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are trying some new stuff, new lifestyle choices, right? You know, some people are dieting because they want to watch their weight. Others are reading more to help elevate their knowledge. And some people are picking up playing, uh, playing an instrument, right? Well, the question I have for you fellas is what about your instrument? More specifically, what about what about your balls, guys? What are you doing for your balls during this time of confinement? Here's something new that you can try for your lifestyle, and that is to take care of your junk. 
because because you know manscaped is the best for below for is the best in men's below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team guys has spent 18 months 18 months that is uh, that is eight times the amount of social confinement that we are living through right now 18 months perfecting the greatest ball trimmer ever created the just released new and improved lawnmower 3.0 this is it right here check out this beauty right here it's a third generation trimmer featuring a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents right millions millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to manscapes advanced skin safe technology maybe you've maybe you've taken up puzzles right because you're afraid to put a razor to your sack or or, or maybe you started baking bread maybe you have like a, a sourdough starter well why are you doing why are you making bread oh i can share bread with my loved one well why don't you share your pristine peen with your loved one as well manscaping accidents are a thing of the past thanks to this beautiful device here and this is a premium device folks i mean premium the battery on this thing will last you 90 minutes so you can shave for an hour and a half uninterrupted i gotta tell you if you're shaving for 90 minutes down there you you've been needing this for a while just saying but the point is that it really has a long battery life and look at this one of the coolest features here check this out you see that LED light right there that illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded the lawnmower 3.0 to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke Ooh, technology. Yeah. 7,000 revolutions per minute. Do you know how much bush you can get through with a motor so powerful? And let's not forget about the charging the charging stand. You can show off your motor loud and your mower, excuse me, loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient USB charging block. So you can put it uh, uh you can put it in your in your uh in your bathroom or right next to your desk at work, right into your your iMac. It'll be fantastic. If you're listening to me right now, folks, listen to this. Uh I want you to try this out because I've tried it out and it is fantastic. It's, it's as, I know I'm not the first person you've heard talk about this and it is as good as everyone says. And now you can believe me because I'm a trustworthy guy. This is, it's a good, good product. You need to trim that junk of yours and I'm going to help you trim it. I'm going to give you 20% off plus free shipping. If you go to manscaped.com right now, manscaped.com right now and you use the promo code warren you get 20 percent off free shipping so you have a choice you can either go back and marie condo your apartment or you can trim the shrubbery around your nuts that's what that's your choice right there and i swear to god your balls will no longer be solitary confined you'll want to have them exposed to the well maybe not the world but at least to those who care to take a look at your smooth, smooth under area. Your balls will thank you. And I want to thank 
Manscaped for supporting the Mr. Warren Hayes show this evening. Thank you very much. Manscaped.com, promo code Warren. You get 20% off free shipping. I listen. This is the this this is exactly what you need to try out these days, folks. You will not regret it. Whew. Let's talk about I talked about the WrestleMania matches, but I wanted to move aside here and talk about the the produced matches that they had, right? The 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 the, the production matches that happened. The the Boneyard match, the Firefly Funhouse match, and Gargano versus Ciampa. Uh, echoing back to Throwback's uh, original Super Chat. Again, thank you very much. And I think I got another Super Chat, right? I, I think I was free. That's right. Throwback gave me a Super Chat again. Thank you, Throwback. He says, SRS would be proud with the Manscaped ad. Can we add Bluetooth? Hey, they can give me money and I'll talk about them. <laughs> but thank you. Hey, Vase Ross, Vape, Vape Ross, Vape, excuse me. Good to see you. And Conrad, everything pro wrestling. How you doing? Welcome, guys. So let's let's talk about the uh so let's talk about the uh the production matches, right? Um again this is leaning into uh to uh throwback's original super chat of the evening. So that's it. we we saw three production matches. And I appreciate them a great deal. And I really appreciate the effort that WWE put into it. Because they did have to do something special for WrestleMania and I do believe that we got WrestleMania moments through these matches here. Um, the Boneyard match happened on night one. It was an action movie, right? This this one was, uh, it, it was the grizzled old action hero. Uh, Alex Pulaski, I think, had a great um, interpretation. He, he started comparing him with, um, uh, was it Alex or Sean? It doesn't remember, it doesn't matter, but comparing him to Charles Bronson, you know, who's, 75 years old, super grizzled and wrinkled and was still going around, beating up fools. This was essentially it. And there was a good level of campiness to it as well. But just enough. Just enough to not take it too seriously. Um, because, you know, the the part where um, uh, Gallus and Anderson had the druids come out of the barn and surround Undertaker. You know, Undertaker was taking them out one at a time because they were they were basically doing like the foot soldiers in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Going after the heroes one at a time where they should have just dogpiled them, right? But that's fine. The, in the context of what we had here, it was all in good fun. Um, and and Biker Taker was the taker we got, but we he teleported. He made flames appear he even had his symbol appear over the uh, over the barn at the end of the match i mean what more do you want aj styles hand in the dirt you c come on i mean it was fantastic this was this was a this was a a fun fight do you call it a match does it matter <coughs> what we saw was entertaining it was fun it was it was choreographed. It was a choreographed fight, which essentially is uh, what pro wrestling is, right? So we're all good. I really, I, I enjoyed this. The Firefly Funhouse match. I, I, you can't even put match next to it. We put match next to it because we have to differentiate what happened at WrestleMania versus the other 
um, bef- uh, the other instances of the Firefly Funhouse. This was a fever dream. This was um, this was a love letter to wrestling fans. This was a thank you for longtime wrestling viewers. Something that WWE doesn't do often, and I complain about that a lot. So I can I can only praise them here to have given us something that rewarded us for being a fan. And that I sincerely appreciate. And there is so much good stuff. It is the most creative thing that WWE has done in a long time. It was entertaining, well done, well acted. Everything was put together wonderfully. It was funny. It was dark. It hit all the right notes for me. By the way, I'm going to be doing a deep dive of the Firefly Funhouse match this weekend. If you want to check out youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, we're going to go through it bit by bit. We're going to unearth everything. Should be a good time. Gargano versus Ciampa was the actual wrestling match. And I'm really glad that each brand got its own produced match because I I, I really do believe every everyone each and every one did um did deserve one and if you're going to create a produced match a cinematic match it has to be gargano champa which is a well it, it it's the most important wrestling story of the past 3 years in all of WWF if you ask me WWF WWE Am I getting my own? Uh, my do? Uh, am I throwing my own? Am I throwing throwing back my myself? But this was really really good. The um. So th- th- this was it was extraordinary. I liked I liked the idea that they were fighting in a dark place where it's like, hey, you know what? No one wants to be here because this is going to get ugly. Even Triple H was like, look, I'm walking out of here. I don't want to be a part of this. You guys kick the shit out of each other, but after that, we're done. But I, I'm not I'm not staying for this. I like how everything was shot, the the sound, how they mic'd everything. Because you really picked up on the the the, the scraping, uh you know, the the um uh, the footsteps, everything. You you picked up everything really, really clearly, but it felt intimate, felt dangerous to be there. It, and what's great about all three is how different they were because you can't the, Gargano Ciampa was the straight up wrestling match but the two others were anything but a straight up wrestling match and I can I can get behind this kind of variety and this is WWE saying you know we can we can try some stuff out and they did try some stuff out they could have easily just copy pasted uh, some formulas here and say let's let's roll with this but the fact that we got three very different approaches to uh to very important matches was extraordinary and it blessed my heart it made me feel good about WWE for for once not for once but it doesn't happen very often that I have such a natural uh, uh um uh, have natural good feelings towards what they're doing because they've 
they've created very unique experiences and very different experiences in, in, in about themselves. Now, I know these are extremely polarizing matches at the same time. Very, very different. This They weren't for everyone. And that's that's the thing, is, right? They're not for everyone. And I have podcasting friends who I know who are in complete disagreement with what I'm thinking or who partially agree. I, podcasts I listen to. I know the voices of wrestling guys. They loathed the Firefly Funhouse match, but I'm not surprised. I didn't listen. Their podcast drops today or it's already dropped. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I usually listen to it on Fridays. But I'm I'm prepared for Rich to tear a new one into what happened. But they were they that's that's okay. <laughs> you know, in a sense that WWE product is not for them. And what happened was not for them either. And we're in a world where we're telling everyone who has a tendency to crap on other people's wrestling where we where we always answer you know, there's so much wrestling out there. You, There's something for everyone, right? You don't necessarily have to watch things you don't like. There's something for everyone out there. This is how I feel about the cinematic matches that WWE produced. You may have liked them. You may have not liked them. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you didn't like them. And it doesn't matter if you liked them either. Ultimately, as long as... It was something that resonated with you. That's what's most important. But it doesn't matter if you didn't like them because there's so much other stuff out there that you can be watching. So you don't have to sit around and 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 look at it and force yourself to, to like what happened if you didn't. And I'm again, I'm going to come back to this point. I like that WWE took some chances here and gave us something different, something creative. I like that they did that because they are the company that has the resources and the personnel, not just the talent, but the production people, the post-production people, to put something together like this. This is the kind of stuff that I was expecting from them. They didn't disappoint me. They delivered. I think they could have done more, as I said at the start of the show. But what we got was real good. We're at a time where wrestling, where ratings are not what they used to be. Where shows are having difficulty hanging on to their audiences. And this is not just wrestling, it's just everywhere. Maybe one of the one of the things you should do that you need to do is to mix things up a little, try some stuff out, see what sticks and what doesn't. And I think that's what WWE did this week. And if they never do them again, they'll never do them again. But maybe just maybe trying some new things out, trying to diversify what a wrestling match is, whether you consider it art or a sport, a performance art or uh, or combat sports, regardless where you fall, I think we're in an era where it's okay to try out new things. 
to try and grow the overall viewing audience of wrestling. Indie shows have been trying stuff out differently because they need, that's their lifeblood. They need people to come back. WWE, they sell the rights to their programming. So sure, they want full arenas, but that's not their main source of income. But still, they kind of want to be able to renew those licenses. They need better TV ratings. Maybe at some point, the tried and true classic formula of wrestling isn't exactly what sells anymore. Maybe it's a hybrid. Maybe it's a something different. Not saying that everything has to become a sitcom. God forbid. Not saying every week we have to have a Firefly Funhouse match either. But I think there's another lesson that WWE has to pick up here. That the definition of what a wrestling match is nowadays very malleable and they should try other stuff out. They really do. Now, to answer as best as I can, Throwback's original Super Chat, where he asked, which was the best one between those three? I don't know because they were so different, but I can tell you which one I preferred. I love the Firefly Funhouse segment so goddamn much. And it's been living in my head. That's why I want to do something this weekend. I want I want to it has I it's living rent-free in my head and I have to evict it. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that the only way uh, the only way I'm going to do that is to is by um is by talking about it for an hour. So I'm probably going to do that this weekend. Subscribe to youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. I don't think it's going to be live. I'm going to record it. Maybe I'll launch it as a premiere and be there in the chat with y'all. We'll see. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a live, um, a live thing. But we'll see. I can change my mind. Plan Plans change, right? That's good shit, pal. All right. Before we go... Like I warned you guys, right? This was a big, big WWE heavy show tonight. But I, let's talk about Dynamite a bit before we before we wrap things up. My God, my God, Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida last night was the bomb. It was so so good. And you know what was crazy is that at the in the meantime, as that match was airing, you had the women of NXT in the ladder match. It was. Such a good, good moment to be a professional wrestling fan when, you, when you're when you spoiled with such great wrestling. Anywho, um, it's hard to talk about anything new regarding this match. Sheeta and Britt worked wonderfully together. If there is any, any doubt as to whom the AEW women's division should be built around, it, it had to have been eradicated last night Hikaru Shida is your woman 11 years experience she's worked everywhere on the planet she can guide anyone to a good to excellent match I'm not saying that she guided Britt Baker last night because you know what Britt Baker held her own Britt Baker as a heel is so goddamn good she is 
she is just oozing that personality now. She is so, so fantastic in, 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 in taking over uh, as, a, as a cocky, disrespectful heel that doesn't quite understand she's the bad guy, and I'm okay with that. But all throughout the match, she was good in her personality or character. She's definitely growing into it. Probably getting some pro heel tips at home, if you know what I mean, which doesn't help. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It helps. It doesn't hurt. Um, but um, you know, I talked about this on the Wednesday Night Wars podcast last night, and I'm going to hammer this one home again. The, a heel style offense suits her so well. She's, I, she was put in the position of being top babyface, and when you're a babyface, it's not quite the same type of, uh, it's not the same type of, um, it's not the same type of uh, uh, of offense that you have to deliver when when you're a babyface. You you get beat up, and then you build up this explosive offense so that you can make your babyface come back. Britt didn't have the experience as many other women did to be able to really have that crisp and explosive and spectacular babyface offense like I think AEW wanted her to have. Here, she's taking her time, much more grounded, doing some fantastic stuff, very methodical. It suits her. It suits her so friggin' well. Britt is still important to the women's division. She's improving. She has improved. And she will still keep improving. She's going to be a star for this company. Sheeta is unquestionably the woman that the division needs to be built around. She has to beat Nyla Rose. She absolutely has to. You cannot sleep on this woman any longer. You have to pull the trigger on her. She's hot right now. The um, I, This gives me hope. This gives me, this is the type of match that gives me hope for the women's division. If they keep booking the women to their strengths, as opposed to trying to have them do stuff that they're not used to, they're in good hands. I think Chris Statlander is still uh, is, is still very important to the division. I think Big Swole is going to be a big, big part of that as well. We'll see how things develop. But my God, this was this was physical. And of course she bled. She bled and bled and bled. And she asked the referee before doing the mandible claw, give me, give me your glove. I'm putting my hand in her mouth. That was such a nice touch. I don't know if it was spontaneous or not, but it was fantastic. Oh, everything about this match was great. Everything about this match was really, really, really good. You should, this is, this is a match that you have to watch, that you have to take the time to take a look at. Kenny Omega versus Mike and Michael Nakazawa versus the best friends. This is, this, this was a divisive match for sure. Uh, my God, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people did not care for this match. Uh, just as a lot of people did care for this match. What you saw was a was a Japanese-style comedy match where there are a lot of shenanigans for like the first half of the match, but then the final half of the match, everything starts uh, turning up and then you actually start getting some wrestling. Uh, they did the, uh, the... He and Nakazawa, they being Kenny Omega and, and, and Nakazawa... Who wrestled as a tag team in uh, in uh, DDT? Excuse me, in DDT uh, in Japan, they um, they pulled some of their old stuff out. They did the mini skirt police uh, spot. Um, 
Nakazawa used the oil to uh, so that um, Trent's chops would just slide off his chest instead of in, instead of hurting, which I thought was funny. They do a, a Kitaro crush, but um, a Kitaro crusher, but it's Omega that Kitaro crushes Nakazawa's head into Trent's crotch. The hentai slide, I just popped for that. That was it was funny. But then Kenny Omega started turning it up later on in the match. Uh, he does a Finley roll into the lung blower, dragon suplex. Um, um, uh, Nakazawa hits a, a, a avalanche fallaway slam on Chucky e. T. Um, they do a, a doomsday device pounce. Um, and ultimately the, the best friends win because they pin Michael Nakazawa because he's not good. Michael's, don't get me wrong. Michael Nakazawa is not a good wrestler. I think that's why he's very heavy on the comedy stuff and I'm okay with that because he's not good. And it's okay that he ate the pin and it's okay that that Kenny didn't didn't take it. it it's, it's fine. I thought this match was, was, was absolutely fine. It was fun. There's the word I'm looking for. It wasn't absolutely fine. It was fun. But I also understand why some people, that this was completely out of some people's palette because there were... So there was so much nonsense to begin, to begin with, right down to Orange Cassidy. But you gotta admit this was funny. When Orange Cassidy comes in the ring and Nakazawa sprays the oil uh, on his face and Orange Cassidy has his glasses and he takes them off and Nakazawa just grabs the glasses and throws them off of him. And Orange Cassidy just gingerly just pulls out another pair of aviators and puts it. Uh, you gotta admit that was funny. That, that was, that was funny. It was good. I, I liked it. It was fun. It was it was fun stuff. Um, the exalted one. Look, it couldn't be any clearer at this point for a smart for smart fans that the exalted one is Vince McMahon. I mean, there's no there's no question about it anymore. The exalted one is Vince McMahon. He's there, uh, telling the the putties the that. Uh, uh, that they're worthless aside from the fact of outside of the guy who has a, a necktie and he's dressed properly. He's like, I'll give you an opportunity and I'm okay with that. And again, I'm okay with this and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. I like where it's going actually. I thought Cody Spears, Cody Spears, Cody versus Sean Spears was fine. Didn't think it was great either but it was okay it, it, it was a solid match there was nothing wrong with it thought there was a lot of um i i i don't think that we were treated to the usual level of cody's in-ring storytelling um i wasn't expecting a five-star classic out of these guys regardless but um yeah it just it 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 didn't resonate for the big match feel that they wanted to give it. There were some great spots in it. Uh, I like the idea of Spears losing in a figure four, being pinned in a figure four. That's what that's what I liked. Uh, I really dug the finish. I thought it was fantastic. But like I said, I didn't. It was okay. It was okay. And especially since AEW's main events are usually bangers. It was a little weird, but again, you know, I understand the circumstances and they taped a lot of stuff too, right? They taped a lot of, of, uh, of material. So 
I get the circumstances are a little weird, but oh my God, Chris Jericho on commentary all night long was just fantastic. He was having fun, fun. All, from Pineapple Pete all the way to saying that uh, kind of got, excuse me, kind of Waga is a dump. Saying that I never watch Michael Nakazawa um, or Tony says, do you watch uh, Michael Nakazawa's matches? And he says, I usually don't watch his matches because he bothers me. <laughs> that was good. And to me, line, line of the night when he, he was, when uh, the best friends do topes, uh, Jericho goes, Topes, also known as House Show Dives. <laughs> so good. He, he was he was fantastic throughout. And he had great chemistry with Shivani. They are not making us miss JR. Sorry to say. But they are... Ever since they've been in quarantine and JR staying at home safe and sound, and that's okay, like I understand, and good on him that he's doing it. They, I'm, I'm not missing JR. They're doing, they're doing a good job with their, with their guest, uh, with their guest, uh, with their guest commentators for sure. There we go, folks. So lots of thoughts about WWE WrestleMania. Some AEW thoughts. Hey, why don't you come on over to patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Sign up for the $5 tier. Power Pals. It's free for April. I'm doing a a post stream really soon. Pretty much as soon as I'm done doing this. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Raw after WrestleMania. We're going to talk about it a bit. I'm going to zero in on some stuff. Come on over. It's a good time. Chat is there. We enjoy it. We, we, and I enjoy you. Just as I enjoyed having you here this evening for another edition of the show. Thank you all so very much. I hope you're all doing fine. I really do. I hope you're all having, uh, you're all making the best out of a very, very odd and bizarre and let's face it, sucky situation. But I hope you're making the best out of it. I hope you're staying, you're, you're, you're staying, uh, you're, you're, you're staying good well-balanced as much as possible. And I hope you, um, I, I really hope you're doing okay. And I really do appreciate you letting me into your home for a little while. So folks, remember, uh, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Stay away from idiots and stay healthy, folks. I want to see you all again here next week or maybe this weekend even. Who knows? Whatever it is, I'll see you next time.